Please turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8 through 12. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8 through 12. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. And it reads, To me, who am less and the least of all the saints, this grace was given, then I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers and the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Thank you. Good morning. Good to see everyone this morning. We have a number of visitors with us. You are our honored guests. We hope that you stick around and get to let us meet you. This morning, I wanted to direct our attention toward the church. As the beginning of the year has come, we looked last week in the power and the authority of God's Word. And this week, I think it's good for us to look again at the church. A lot of people think about the church, and I don't think many know what the purpose of it is. In fact, I think that's a very a good question for us this morning. You ever heard the phrase, how was church? Maybe coming from a family member who doesn't go or didn't go, or uh, maybe someone you're meeting for lunch that goes to another congregation. You've probably heard that before. I've heard that phrase a lot growing up. So we're kind of asking that question this morning. How was church? What's the purpose of it? How do we understand it's our need for our life? And I think as we look around, a lot of people look at the church as a, maybe a social club or as a gathering or a, a relic or some kind of old institution that is kept up to teach children maybe a little bit about the Bible. And a lot of that is very short-sighted. We want to look at what the Bible says about the church, how important it is, and how we need to be a part of it and be in the church. So if someone were to ask you this morning, what is the purpose of the church? What would you say? be the first thing that comes out of your mouth? I want you to think about that. Again, during the end of the lesson, when you see again, how was church? Think about what would be my answer to that? What is the purpose of the church? I think another good question to ask this morning for us at Dean Road, members here, is what example do people see when they visit Dean Road? What do they see? And we also want to think about our example, the way that we value church, the way that we look at Christ and what he did for the church to establish the church, the purpose that he has put into it. When we understand that and we respect Jesus that he died for us, just as we just took, partook of the Lord's Supper, and then we realize that we have salvation in the fact that he rose from the dead. And why did he do all that? He did that to save us, to have his own people. And that's what the church is. It's God's own people. In fact, you got a good definition of what the church is in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. God's people that he has set apart and made holy those of whom he has saved. It's not the building we are in, it is us. And we want to be showing an example that the church matters. That as the church, we know that God's word, the words of Jesus Christ, the one who died for us, that they matter, that we want to study them. And we want those words to have a place in our heart and change us. I think we can also ask the question this morning, I think a lot of people wonder, is what's the point? Some people might ask that about life, and some might very much wake up on Sunday morning and say, what's the point of church? Why is it that I need to give so much? This is my day of rest and time for my family. What's the point? 
Someone might even pray to God and say, God, I've given you this time. Why do I need to be committed to your church? And that's what we're looking at this morning. In our world, people value something if they get something out of it. And very few people don't want to find something that they have to put something into and invest in. As we think about this, we need to think of the church more than just a simply an, an institution where we get together on Sunday morning. This is a place where my family comes, where we can partake of the Lord's Supper, and everything's fine. And as long as we keep maintaining it and keep the building up and everything else, everything is okay. But I want to again look at what Christ said and what he said about his body, the church of Christ. We get a good picture of the church in Acts chapter 2, and this is where our reading is going to come from this morning. So if you have your Bible, open up to Acts chapter 2. If you're looking for the church of Christ, here it is established in Acts chapter 2. You want to find the church that fits the model which Christ intended that that he has set out to make and to start is right here in Acts chapter 2. And we see here in Acts chapter 2, these people that repent and they're baptized. And in verse 41, it says 3,000 of them were baptized and added to them. They became members of the church. And I want to look at the detail here of, of the characteristics of the church. Look in verse 42 down at the end of the chapter. It says, this, this is what we see about the church. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, emphasis on thee for the Lord's Supper, and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds as all had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who are being saved. Some characteristics that stand out to me about the church from the very beginning. They weren't afraid to praise God. They weren't afraid to uphold God's word. And the scriptures say that they were devoted. And you say that about yourself personally, I am devoted to the apostles' doctrine, to the teaching of Jesus Christ and the words that he gave to them that we read in the scriptures. This is the church of Christ. This is the church when we are committed to studying God's word. In the Bible. We don't brush it aside where we don't make excuses. The truth is we can come to this building and yet forsake the assembly. We can come here and not worship, not mean the things that we say, not sing the songs that are being sung, and not listen to the words that are being prayed, and even say an amen to them. We can come and hear a lesson, we hear words from Scripture and from Christ, not think about them, not contemplate on them. And since we are just forsaking the assembly, even though we are here in the building. We see the church, they're devoted, they're committed. This morning, that's what we should, as Christians, strive about the church. You know, in John chapter 13, Jesus says that my disciples are going to be known for their love. We also see here in Acts chapter 2, they're known for their devotion to God's Word. We also see about this church, they took the Lord's Supper together. They prayed together. They shared their possessions together. They did things together. They are united the word here for fellowship also has the meaning of sharing, especially when you translate it as a verb. It means to share. And as Christians in the church, it's about sharing. God made this institution. His greatest institution is the church. The church fellowship together in the homes. They ate together daily. And people were added to the church daily. 
And I think there's more to that point as we move on through our reading. When I think about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I think of it as a critical point that, that makes me feel alive. And I, I think about Jesus rising from the dead, to be able to see that and experience that, and to one day know that Christ is going to come back. There's going to be a great trumpet sound, and we're going to be caught up to him. We're going to be resurrected in new bodies. That very thought is amazing. In fact, the very fact that Jesus rose from the dead explains where the church came from. The church would not have started if a bunch of guys sitting around said, I had a feeling that Jesus is okay now, that he's in a better place, or I saw his spirit. That's not what they saw. They saw Jesus risen from the dead, and it changed them. Over 500 people, the Bible tells us. That's the gospel message, the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that started the church. In fact, Acts chapter 1 and verse 3 says there's many proofs demonstrating that Jesus rose from the dead. And the first gospel sermon that started the church was on the resurrection of Jesus Christ there in Acts chapter 2. Peter preaches and he says, look, here's what Psalm says, Psalm 16 and verse 10, that the Messiah is going to rise from the dead. Here we, we know where David's tomb is, where his body is, but we don't know where the body of Jesus is. His tomb is empty. And then we here stand as witnesses, eyewitnesses, that we've seen Jesus Christ. We've eaten with him. We've lived with him over the last 40 days with him. That they, When Christ rose from the dead, they were witnesses to that truth. That was the first sermon. That's how the church began. And you cannot explain the origin of the church in any other way. And I think as Christians, we want to find some encouragement in our life. It's because we look at what Jesus did and his resurrection, and we have a hope to one day rise as well. We want that life. When we think about our baptism, how we bury that old person, and we rose up into the newness of life, the image of, of Jesus' resurrection, that stirs us. It convicts us. It compels us. We know the love of God. And if the death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ does not compel you, I don't know what will what will change you, what would cause you to love more, to draw closer to God. This is a point at which we want to fascinate ourselves on. Jesus rose from the dead for us. Why? So we can have eternal life. What he did for us, it defines our salvation. It also tells us why we're here this morning on the first day of the week. We gather together on the first day of the week because the disciples did the same thing, because Jesus rose on this day. We also see the purpose of the church very clearly lined out in the Bible. We know how the church began, the gospel sermon, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But listen to this, what the scriptures say. Now, David read for us this morning from Ephesians chapter 3. And in that, he says, the eternal purpose of God is for the church to proclaim the mystery of God. That is the gospel to the world, to make it known. That is our purpose. Our eternal purpose as the church is to tell the world the truth. To tell them the gospel and do it as much as possible out of love, the love that Christ has demonstrated to us. We see our purpose, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, Peter says this, you are a chosen race, that is the church, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Church is the greatest nation on earth. A people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's our mission. That's our purpose. As Christians, we want to be more devoted to God's Word. There's no better way than to get out and start teaching it and start telling others. I'm a Christian. I believe the Bible. I believe the morals in it. Every day we run into moral dilemmas and people talking about politics or whatever else, and, 
if we would just think a little bit, we can divert those conversations to, to say, look, there's a standard for what's right and wrong. It's God. And God looked upon humanity, and he came in the flesh, and he set an example for us. And he did even more than that. Because of all of our faults and all of our sins, he died on the cross for us. And he did even more than that. He rose from the dead so that we don't have a life where we just say, well, I can live a good life and die. I have a good life, I die, and then I will rise again one day. I have confidence in eternal life. When Jesus, before he ascended into heaven in Matthew chapter 28, he gave his great commission. He gave it to his disciples. Here is your mission. The mission of the church is this. He told it to his disciples. They told it to their disciples, and it's supposed to go on and on from generation to generation. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That is our mission. As Dean Rode focuses throughout this new year, and all last year we were talking about growing, growing in God's garden, we want to grow now and be devoted to God's Word. It starts with us having a mindset to where I want to tell others about the truth. I want my family and my friends to know the gospel. And I want people to know the mission of the church. It's not simply to provide charity and to give out to others. It's more than that. It's not simply a place for Sunday school. It's more than that. It's a place for us as Christians to have fellowship, love for one another, devoted to his word, and to take that word to the world around us. We need to go back to the mission field. I've been doing a lot of study through my graduate studies in the last few years, and every one of the churches that are growing are growing because they are mission-minded. They look around and they see that they're in a mission field, that they need to take the gospel to the world around them. And that makes sense, that the purpose of the church is to proclaim the gospel. Don't expect to grow. Don't expect to have God's increase. 1 Corinthians 3 tells us God causes the increase. Unless we're thinking like that, Churches that grow, they act like a new church. They act like we just got the gospel for the first time. I don't know if you felt that way. When I was baptized, everybody around me knew the gospel by the end of the week. They knew that I was baptized, and they knew that I was going to tell them the truth. And this is how you can be saved. And it's all through, through Christ. Churches that grow, they act like a new church. They think in that way. Evangelistic churches, they do not conform to the mold of tradition, the way that things that have always been done but they continue to restore what we read about in God's Word. They look in the text and they say, this is what church is. It needs to have fellowship. It needs to have the study of His Word. We need to be together in each other's homes. We need to have that unity and that kind of devotion. So if you think about that and your desire is for Dean Road to grow, your mindset's going to be there on the purpose of the church, the mission. I want you to look at this as well. This is why I feel so strongly about the church. It's because Christ valued it more than anything else. Jesus gave his blood, more valuable, more precious than anything else in this world. In fact, many times in the Bible, blood is described in many ways like a, like a currency, like money. Except when it comes to atonement, you have no other way for salvation but for Jesus Christ to purchase your salvation by his blood. In Acts 20 and verse 28, it says, pay careful attention to yourselves. Paul's talking to the elders here. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God. Now listen, what is the church of God? He says, which he obtained with his own blood. And if you have New King James, it says he purchased the church with his own blood. Does the church matter to Jesus Christ? 
Yes, he gave his life for it. He gave his blood for it. How much should, more should we value the church? Yes, there's imperfect people, fallible people in the church. Yes, there, there can be hypocrites among us. And this is the truth. Here is where Christ fellowships, where two or three are gathered in my name. There I am in the midst of them. Ephesians chapter 5 tells us this about Christ. He says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. A husband that really loves his wife, he's going to give his life for her every day. And Christ has given himself for the church. He's given himself up for the church. And if Jesus has done that and he set the example for us, what should we be giving for the church? Jesus gave his life, we should be giving ours as well. We'll follow that example. So what are you giving? Like some people would pray to God and say, God, do you see that this is the only time, my only day of rest and my time for family? Isn't that enough? Some might pray, God, do you not see that I gave you 3%? I can't give you any more. God, do you not see that I'm a better person than that one over there and I should be leading the church? Then we need to humble ourselves before God, listen to him and follow his words, be devoted to him. Church is the body of Christ. We are his bodies. In fact, Brother Dutch said it this morning. He said, we are members of Christ. We are in the arms and legs of Christ actively working in this world today. That is who you are as a Christian. This is our identity. Paul revealed in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 to 23, he says, and he put all things under his feet, that's under Jesus' feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The truth is the head of the church is Jesus Christ. It's not a man in a long white robe. It's not any man who puts himself and gives him titles and puts himself above other people, telling them if they would pay penance or anything and give them money. Those are not leaders in the church. They are not the head. Christ is the head of the church. Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 18, he says this, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Death will not prevail against the church. Jesus said, I will build my church, the church of Christ. There's no other church we want to be a part of. We want Christ as the head of the church. Christ set the worship, and our worship needs to conform just as he says it in the scriptures. And that's what we try to do here in this congregation and throughout 11,000 churches of Christ throughout this nation. Christ set the organization of the church for elders to lead, and Christ set the gospel, the plan of salvation through his death and his burial and resurrection. We cannot change that or alter it in any way. In fact, Paul says in Galatians, if anybody changes the gospel, he says it twice. They are anathema. They are condemned to the greatest extent. We want to uphold the gospel. So why are you here? Hopefully a church is not a meaningless tradition and a relic. Hopefully it's not simply that's what we do on Wednesday nights, that's what we do on Sunday morning to affirm that we still want to have eternal life, and yes, we believe enough, so God, please save us. There's so much more to the church than that and our mission that our Creator has given us. If you're not a disciple of Christ or looking to become one, why are you here? A disciple of Christ is someone who follows Jesus and is committed to His life and His words and everything about Him. I encourage you this morning to be devoted to the Apostles' doctrine. Be fully committed. Give your life as a living sacrifice. I want one more point before the, we finish this morning. So look at your purpose as a member in the church. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 to 20. 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says, 
You know, the foot can't say to the ear and the ear to the foot, I have no need of you. One part of the church can't say to the other, we don't need you anymore, you can go away. In fact, we were part of a body together, the body of Christ. Paul says, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body. God has set you in your place in the church to be doing very specific task, purpose that he has given for the church. It says each one of them. In other words, none of us are excluded from the purpose of God. It says as, as he chose them. If all were a single member, he says, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts and yet one body, and yet we are united. No one can say that they have no place in the church without rejecting God's word. You have a purpose. God wants you to work in his church. The church grows when Christ is the head and when everybody does their part. That's very much my paraphrase of Ephesians 4, 15, and 16. We need to be doing our part. God has blessed us. This morning, I ask again, if someone asked you, what's the purpose of the church? What are you going to say? If someone asked you, how was church today? That's funny. That was the title of the lesson. This is the purpose of the church. Jesus gave his life for the church. We should give our life for it and value it greatly. The church was devoted to the apostles' doctrine. We today, if we claim to be the church of Christ, we're going to do the same thing. The church is the effect of God's miracle raising Jesus from the dead, and that should make us feel alive every day. This morning we encourage you, if you haven't obeyed the gospel, do it. Baptism adds repentant believers to the church. You haven't been baptized into Christ, you need to do that to become a part of the church, to be saved. Baptism is when we rise up into the newness of life. And Ephesians chapter 2 says this is how we're saved. When God has risen us up, and he set us for a very specific purpose. In Ephesians 2 and verse 10, God says we are his workmanship. We are his workers. So I'll leave you with this question this morning. Acts 22 and verse 16, Ananias said to Paul, and now why do you wait, rise, and be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on his name? This morning, if you need to repent, you need to become a member of the church through baptism, you need prayers and encouragement, we encourage you to come right now while we stand and while we sing. Please come.